Welcome to the Women Who Lead podcast, a place where we celebrate, connect, and develop every woman in her leadership journey. Thanks for coming along. I'm excited today because I'm here with my friend, Hillary Seagares. Hillary is a God-fearing disciple. She's the wife of Bobby Seagares. And Hillary has walked a journey of now four miscarriages in her um, trying to, she and Bobby, to, to start a family. And I believe that Hillary's going to have a, um, a message here today that you're going to want to tune into and stay f- through to the end and listen. Uh, she, like myself, we've gone through some deep suffering. I lost my brother um, seven years ago to a terrible accident in India. And just, um, I've had cancer twice. And so we were talking yesterday as we were preparing for the podcast about grief and lamenting and sorrow and all of those things that I'm not sure we do quite well as a church. But Hillary, you are a joy. And even in your never-ending cycle of loss, beginning with the passing of your father several years ago, Um, your smiling face always shows up here and I'm so thankful for that. So can you just, um, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what God is doing in your life? Yes, ma'am. So (laughs) I do, I have been raised to always honor leadership and I just want to honor you first. And I, I recognize your obedience and even doing you know, being the leader of this ministry, women who lead. And so I just appreciate Mm -hmm. your obedience in that. Oh, thank you. Um, Speaking about my family, I am one of 10 girls. So I have 10 sisters and two brothers, a huge family. 12 of you. Yes. And I don't know, just growing up, it's almost like we didn't have a choice. You know, God was going to be a part of our lives. And I appreciate my parents so much for that. Yeah. And it definitely is the foundation for what has kept me after so much suffering. And so, yes. We, we all play instruments, we sing, we, oh. we've always served in ministry. And so I don't really know what it's like to not have God in my life. Yeah. And again, I appreciate my parents so much for that. And so when I was a senior in high school, I knew my dad was sick, but obviously by then it, it had gotten mm-hmm. to a place where the, the quality of his life was, you know, being challenged. And so I was senior in high school, got called out of school. By the end of the day, my dad had passed away. And that mm. kind of started, that's where I say it's my faith wow. journey started. You know, I've always, as a little girl growing up, I thought my life was perfect. Everything about my life was perfect. And I kind of had the strength and the security of my parents' faith to keep me grounded. And that was the moment where the Lord was like, okay, am I real to you, Hillary? You know? Yeah. And so I couldn't really lean on my mom's faith or her strength. My mom is one of the most courageous She's a warrior. She's she's strong, mm-hmm. and her security in the Lord is so inspiring. And I knew I needed that strength to get through the loss of my dad, but for myself. And so I went away to college. I didn't have a choice, so I ended up at Liberty University, and that's where I met my husband. And since then, God has just, he's just restored something that was so broken, a void that I felt could never be filled. You know, mm-hmm. my dad was... He was my dad, and yeah. you know, losing him was, and still is, one of the most challenging things that I've ever been through. And so going away to college, meeting Bobby, eventually marrying him, I, I believe God used that time to just extend as much grace as I needed, because I needed a lot of it just to get through that grief. Um, so by the time we were married, we lived in Georgia. 
he was not interested in having kids right away. So we didn't <laughs> even try at first. Um, but then when we decided, okay, let's start a family, we noticed right away that it wasn't as easy for us to get pregnant as, you know, other mm-hmm. people. And so we kind of went through like a year, year and a half of infertility. Um, and then we finally got pregnant. And it kind of just, that year and a half kind of just was behind us. You know, it was hard. Yeah. It was like, okay, we're finally pregnant. Yay, God. And... Mm-hmm. Eventually, I would go on to have four miscarriages, but I never make it past the 10-week mark, you know? Sometimes it's five weeks. Sometimes I get to eight and nine, and then, you know, Mm -hmm. the inevitable happens. And so, I don't know. I don't know. To this day, I don't know why it has to happen this way, but I do know that with each miscarriage, God has shown me something very specific and particular and different. You know, Mm -hmm. they were all different. And so, my first miscarriage was very strange. Um, I found out in May of 2018, 19, <laughs> that, um, I, that we were pregnant April. And then in May, I found out there was no heartbeat. And I didn't want, you know, I didn't want a surgery. I didn't want to take the pill. I didn't want to do any of those things. You know, God heal our baby or just let my body do what it's supposed yes. to do. And for four months, wow, nothing happened. For four months, I was walking around with this this baby that didn't have a heartbeat and you know mm. it was one of the most humiliating confusing but necessary times of my life mm-hmm. and i believe you know it reintroduced a lot of grief and a lot of holes in my faith that i felt were there when my dad passed away it's like all of those things were were catching up to me and in those 4 months god showed me so much about what faith is and what it most definitely is not mm-hmm. you know and at the end of the day, with everything that we experienced with that first miscarriage, my husband, it, God used my husband to remind me that, you know, faith without works is dead. Faith takes yeah. work. You know, it's not just an idea. It's not just something that you can claim to have. Faith takes work. And so it's a lot of work that we went through, a lot of praying, a lot of fasting, a lot of just tuning out everything to just zone in on God. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, that was what came, that's the beautiful thing that came out of that first miscarriage. And then we we went through all of that <laughs> in Georgia, and we moved back to Virginia, Aww. which we thought, and it it, it was, it, it was necessary, and we thought coming home was just going to make everything better, you know? Mm-hmm. And December, we found out we were pregnant again, and Christmas, we tell his parents, then we tell my mom, and literally two hours later, I have my miscarriage. Oh, and wow. I, I chose, I still don't know if this is a good idea or not, I chose not to say anything. You know, it's Christmas. I, everyone's so happy and excited. Mm-hmm. This miracle baby. I just didn't even know how to handle that at first. So I just cleaned myself up. I looked in the mirror and I said, just don't ruin Christmas. Just get through the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with, with that pregnancy and that miscarriage, I believe the Lord taught me how to just count it all joy. Yes. James 1, you know, count it all joy. Every trial, every circumstance, you know, accept it with joy. Because if you just make it, God is going to make you whole, full, mm-hmm. complete, lacking nothing. And so that was a challenge for me to receive that miscarriage as a gift, you know. But it was a necessary gift because, again, it was the Lord teaching me something new about Him. Yeah. And then, you know, time <laughs> passes, COVID comes, yay. Not really. You're right. And so I, I dodged COVID for a while. And then I ended up getting it twice. That was not fun. And in the middle of that, we had our third miscarriage. And I mm. could tell by this time that I was kind of over it. Just the idea of pregnancy, of being a mother, 
it was exhausting to think about and obviously mm-hmm. exhausting to go through physically. And with that miscarriage, that was probably like my breaking point of, okay, I'm going to have to make a choice. Do I love God and do I serve God because that's just the posture of my heart or yep. is it because I want something from it? You know, what are you going to mm. do when you don't get what you want? You know? Yeah. And so the scripture that I kind of associate with that pregnancy is Hebrews 10:23. You know, hold unwaveringly to the hope that you confess for the one who made the promise is faithful. So that's kind of like my life verse right now. And mm. that pregnancy was, well, all of them are. They, they, they end just as quickly as they begin. And so it's always hard for me to kind of recover from them because it's like, God, I never even get a chance to like really connect with my babies or, you know, celebrate. And so that's always been challenging. But through this third miscarriage, it was kind of just like, just hold on to God, hold on to God. He's faithful. You know, he's incapable of not fulfilling his promises. He's incapable. It's just not in his nature to not love me, to not be gracious, to, you know. And sometimes I think as believers, we get caught up in, well, was this the Lord's doing or was it Satan's doing, you know? And I've kind of gotten to a point where I'm like, regardless of who allowed this to happen or who caused this, you have to think about the nature of the person, the, the nature of the spirit. If it came from the enemy, his his sole purpose is destruction. If it came from the Lord, it's it comes from a place of love and grace. The Lord wants to, to, to grow you, to stretch mm-hmm. you, to, to mature you. And so I think kind of when I get stuck sometimes, I just think about the nature of, of my adversary and then yeah yeah and it and it and it always bring me back to that place that the Lord is good. And so if I can find purpose in why this keeps happening, then I'm just gonna again just block everything else out so that I can find God in it and just keep plowing forward. Mm-hmm. So here I am again <laughs> two weeks ago discovering that our child, you know, didn't have a heartbeat and this pregnancy was weird from the beginning. I didn't really have a chance to just breathe. I could tell from the beginning that something was wrong. And mm. so this one has been challenging just because now my doctors are like, I don't know what to do with you. Like I've been passed around so many times, so much, so many medical bills, and it's nobody has an answer, you know? And so now I'm at yeah. the place of, if it doesn't get done, if the Lord doesn't do it, it's just not going to get done. You know, it's just not going to happen. And so I already see how God is just... You know, when you when you grow up with the Lord always being in your life, sometimes you get attached to church culture and cliches. Sometimes I'm, it's like now I'm hearing things sometimes even in church and I'm like, well, wait, where's that in the Bible? Like, right. You know, God is like, I can already see him teaching me just the truth and the reality of who he is with this miscarriage. And it's time to kind of just clean through just the culture of church and the idea of a good God and really experience mm-hmm. the truth of who God is. And so that's kind of where I'm at, I am right now. I think sometimes the enemy tries to discourage me because I'm, I don't feel like I'm bouncing back like I have with the other ones. And I've just been resting in God's grace, not taking advantage of it, but resting in his grace because it does, it takes a toll on you. And something that I see in this miscarriage that I didn't recognize in the other ones was that it's affecting my husband too. Yeah, men grieve too. Men, yep. especially when it comes to miscarriage or things that happen to one spouse, it doesn't mean that it's not affecting the other one. Mm-hmm. And so I already see beauty in just being able to be there for him or the Lord just allowing us to need each other more than we ever have in our lives. And so that's that's something beautiful that's coming that's come from this already. And so I don't know. I just I, I can't not I can't walk away from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends, she she messaged me when she found out. And she was just like, "How do you keep the faith?" 
And I just told her, if I struggle for the rest of my life, if the rest of my life is just going to be this one big mess of struggle, (laughs) I will always rather do that with hope than to just not have anything to hope in. And we know that as believers, hope is Jesus. And so I'm, I, I just can't. I can't walk away from the Lord. Yeah. And sometimes I say that and then I get scared because I'm like, oh, no, what is the enemy going to do next? <laughs> like, you know, but I, I just can't and, mm-hmm. and I won't. And so I think because of that, now I have this desire to just minister to women, to, mo- to young moms, to broken families. Just don't give up. Don't get stuck and don't yeah. give up. And I think that's kind of where my life is right now. Yeah. And your book is called um, The Power of Weakness. Mm -hmm. And just listening to you tell your story here today, um, there is a power that comes through you in the weakness, in the brokenness of this journey you've been on for the last several years. And um, I loved what you said earlier. You said, you know, all of us have to come to this place where we ask ourselves, what will you do when you don't get what you want? You know, and do you really feel like that is the key that shifted for you um, in the loss and the grief? Um, that I, question? Yeah, I do, um, especially with this one. Mm-hmm. This last one kind of stings a bit. I, after I found out November 1st that, you know, the pregnancy was, you know, the, the baby was gone. But so thinking back, it was like, okay, then when did it actually happen? I realized that. I lost my baby the same day or like the 10 year anniversary of my father's death. So October Mm -hmm. 27th is when I lost my dad. October 27th is when I had my fourth miscarriage. And I'm like, Lord, you just, Mm -hmm. you're doing too much. Okay. I can't keep up. Like what is going on? And with this pregnancy, I believe after my third one, my husband and I were finally just like, you know, we, we know we want to be parents and we just put it in the Mm -hmm. Lord's hands and we were learning to, to live this life of contentment. And contentment doesn't always mean you have to give up your dreams and your desires, but you just have to be okay with where the Lord has you. And I feel like we were finally there. And then all of a sudden, these literal strangers would come up to us. The Lord says your time is now. The Lord said, you know, this, that, mm-hmm. and that, and that. And so, you know, we weren't asking for those those prophecies. We weren't asking for any of that. We were really, you know, learning to live in this content life without children right now. And all of that leading up to our pregnancy, and we really thought, oh, wow, like, this is our time. This this mm-hmm. is going to be the one. And so for it to happen, to end, like, the other ones, now we're just like, well, wait, what just happened, Lord? Like, mm-hmm. are you not a promise keeper? Are you? Is all of this just fake? Is it all about emotion and hype, you know? And God is already showing me that. Just just the little things that, are, that have been happening right now, you have no choice but to know that it was the Lord's doing. And I think that's what I'm experiencing right now. And so mm-hmm. it's not all about him answering my prayers the way that I want. It's just about me going to the Lord and him responding. And it's always what I need. And so this last miscarriage, I learned that I'm. it's, it's easy for me to go to the Lord when I'm broken. Mm-hmm. But my brokenness was about him this time. It wasn't, oh, I'm sad because of this person, or I'm sad because of that thing. It's like, no, I'm kind of a little offended because of you, or I think I am. And so it was hard to take that to him, or it's been hard taking that to him. But I don't know. I'm, If nothing else, I just, I'm literally just resting. I'm drowning in the grace of the Lord. And just, he's not afraid of our questions. He's no. not afraid of, of, of our offenses towards even him. 
And I'm like, oh, snap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so <laughs> kind of just, you know, learning how to even bring things that frustrate me about him to him. It's like yes. I can't take that nowhere else. That's right. And so I don't know. It just, it's, it just, it's just always worth it. Yeah. And I love what you said because I think, um, you know, not everybody has that response of saying in loss, I'm not going to walk away from Christ. You know, it's, um, I don't understand it. I don't understand what's going on, but I choose not to walk away. I choose to say at the end of the day that God is good and he's, he remains faithful. And um, I went through a similar journey when my brother passed away because when I went, uh, got the call that he had died in India and, the, and I, we were headed up. My parents lived two and a half hours from us and when I got there that morning, I realized, you know, I'm there to tell them that their son has died. And I realized they were at a prayer meeting at the church. And it affected me, Hillary, for a long time. And I don't even, I know the, it's changed the way I've prayed. And prayed, praying is more about communion with God now than it is about declaring and asking him for things because... I recognize that in the sovereignty of God, um, at the end of the day, <laughs> he is the creator and we're the creation. Mm -hmm. But it was through that time that I had a similar experience as what you're saying, where I was like, God, you're not afraid of my questions. You're not mad at me because I'm trying to search through this understanding of who you really are. And you had that same journey, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. When when we were in Georgia, we served under Pastor Valamont, who yes. passed away. And it was actually his wife that said that. She 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 got up on the, the platform that next Sunday, and she stood there. No, we're not okay. Yes, the world is watching. But, you know, I've already, you know, basically she's already taken it to the Lord. You know, God, mm -hmm. I don't understand, but it's okay for me to say those things to him because he's not, he's not right. afraid of those questions. He's not afraid for us to come to him however we are. And to see her now, it's just kind of like, wow. Yeah. You know, just, just, yeah. just keep going to him, whether it's about him or not, just keep going to him. And, yeah. Cause he's the only one that can help anyway. And I think that's where Bobby and I are now. Like people are like, how can we help? You know, you need dinner. You need me to do your laundry. And those mm -hmm. things are great, but it doesn't, it doesn't, change much it doesn't it doesn't no. help even you know in the you know it's supposed to make you feel better in the moment it doesn't even really do that anymore mm -hmm. what we desire from God is is him mm -hmm. an encounter with the Lord and not I don't want to say not any old kind of encounter but you know what I mean like just that specific yes. that that necessary that if if you don't show up Lord I don't, I don't yeah. know if I'm gonna make it you yeah. know that kind of encounter that's what we we need from him and it's not an encounter of here's your baby I don't think a baby's gonna solve our pain mm -hmm. right now here's a million dollars to pay off all your debt I don't think that's gonna solve no. the brokenness you know we we want the Lord and I'm I'm grateful that we're at a place and that we were both raised in families where we know that's not gonna come from anywhere but him but yeah, the Lord that's right that's right and it goes back to that initial thing you said it like what will we do when we don't get what we want mm -hmm. will another baby you know, the pain that you're walking through with this fourth miscarriage and um, the children that are in heaven um, that you won't, you won't be able to raise 
um, but they're with Jesus, and we do believe that. But at the end of the day, will that fix it? Will that, or do we just need more of God? And I think that's the desperation, and that's the power that is developed in weakness, where we have nothing else to cling to, so we cling to God, right? Yeah. Literally. Literally. That's what we do. And it's a powerful message because um, I don't think in the church that we actually allow the um, the grieving process. We don't accept it. We um, Lamenting is another word that we use. Um, you know, we've We've been raised in a culture of Christianity that talks about a victorious church and and the people in it. If it's going to be a victorious church, then the people in it mm-hmm. got to be running around and being victorious <laughs> and high-fiving everybody, right? And we love those times, and we do want to be that way. But the reality is there is such spiritual growth in the loss and the lamenting in the grief, and it's necessary for us um, to come to that place of realizing it, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's at the end of the day, it's like, what will we do yeah. when we don't get what we want? Well, we will remain faithful mm-hmm. to God. Yes, yes, so yeah. Try our hardest to. <laughs> We're gonna try, try, try <laughs> to do it. You say something in your book um, here, uh, Power of Weakness, um, how multiple miscarriages birthed resilience. And one of the things, quotes that you said that I loved, you said, I had to release what I believed to be best for me so that I could truly accept what God had in store. Yeah. Do you remember writing that and just coming to a place of... I wrote that book almost two years ago. Okay. It has taken me two years to even get to this point because I keep having miscarriages. I'm like, oh, wait, I have more to say, you know? Yeah. And I've, I've decided, I was like, it's done. I'm, it's going now. <laughs> but I remember writing it, and I remember reading it, especially after this most recent miscarriage because it's been challenging to practice what I preach. It really has been. Um, but, again, going back to the idea of a baby is not necessarily going to solve what I'm experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. And that obviously means that maybe I kind of idolize it a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? And so because I I feel like I finally got into a place of, wow, that wouldn't even satisfy me as much as what I know I need right now, mm-hmm. then whatever God has is obviously much better than that. And that's not to say that I don't want children. That's not to say that the children that I have don't have purpose. They have clearly brought so much purpose and meaning to my life. Right. But it just goes back to the idea... <laughs> It goes back to this, mm-hmm. you know, that nothing, there's nothing greater beyond God's presence. There's nothing yeah. better than God. And so whatever he has for me, that's what I need to go after. Yeah. And he, he sees the full picture. He sees it all. And he knows me better than I know myself. And so if he feels like this is something that I can endure, then I'm going to go through it because he ha- there's, something, there's something there mm-hmm. for me. And what if the something is just Jesus? Then, hey, I'm going after that because that's the best thing for me. Yeah. You know, Jesus without the bonus, whatever that bonus is. And the mm-hmm. bonus is obviously stuff, things that we want, but none of that stuff is going to matter. No. None of that matters. No. It's not as important as my salvation, yeah. as my relationship with the Lord. And so releasing releasing right now for me looks like just almost 
restructuring my priorities. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to school to be a forensic scientist. I have two degrees in criminal justice. Wow. I ain't done nothing with that. <laughs> I got a lot of debt, but that's about it. But I don't know. That's where I met my husband. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's where my faith journey started. And so I see the purpose in going to Liberty University, getting those degrees. But now I see how God is showing me that just focus on me and I'm going to lead you and I'm going to show you what I want to, you to do with your life. Yeah. And it's kind of like the foundation of the core values of women who lead. You know, yep. there is something specific for you. And once you truly identify, okay, this is what the Lord has for me. How can I influence the tribe around me, the community yeah. around me? Yeah. And so I see that that's what that's how the Lord wants to use me. Mm-hmm. He wants me to be a mother to broken moms and broken families. Yes. And if that's if that's it, then okay, okay, God. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I'm, I'm hurting right now, but I accept it. And I know that it's not always going to be like this. Yeah. I love that. And I love you what you were saying about the core values of women who lead as well, because, um, yeah, that is what we're about. We're about helping you as women discover your God-given purpose, because I believe that ultimately God wants us to flourish. He wants us to be the best version of ourselves. And for me, like you, the power of that best version of myself has come through weakness because there have been some things that I was pretty rough around the edges and (laughs) I've needed a lot of grace in my life. And um, it's in those times where I've created uh, much empathy for others and compassion um, that I'm not sure would have been there Mm -hmm. otherwise. Mm -hmm. But when you're in the middle of it, you don't understand that, you know. It takes you a while to get down the road in that journey, like kicking the can down the road a little bit, and then you're like, oh, <laughs> that's what this was all about. It all makes sense. It yes. all makes sense. It does. And in our weakness, he's strong, and we know that, and he comes alongside of us. Um, I love the title of the book, The Power of Weakness. I just love it. Um, I wanted to mention that you have a, well, for you to mention it, about your (laughs) ministry that you created called the Bold Resilience Foundation. I love this. It says, unshakable faith, unbreakable trust, bold resilience. And this started through your journey Mm -hmm. of miscarriages. And just tell the listeners a little bit about what you do with Bold Resilience. Yeah, so even like with the start of the book, it all came from a place of just having so much feeling, so much to say, and not really knowing what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And so I had no desire to even write a book. And I just wrote out what I had been going through, the dreams I was having, the the revelations the Lord was giving me, and I showed my husband. Mm -hmm. And he's the one that told me that I was going to, you know, write the book or, you know, publish. And I I love that. Right. Yes. Thank God for him. And I don't know. I just I guess with the more I kept having them, because remember how I was saying, like, I kept, you know, taking the book back and saying, okay, it's not ready. Mm -hmm. Instead of like trying to put everything in that, just kind of birthing this ministry where I can always share, I can always encourage. And so right now it just looks like um, 
just using my plat my social media platforms to just share my testimonies to encourage people there are so many women that have reached out to me even people that i've known all my life that I had mm-hmm. no idea even went through this had gone through this that have opened up that has shared i have so many messages of thank you hillary just for for saying this thing or that thing because i was ready to give up i yeah. was ready to just quit i was ready to curse god i was re- you know yeah sure and so if for nothing else just to encourage that one person that mm-hmm. Is is that is that that crossroads? Am I going to keep going, or am I going to turn around and go somewhere? You know, go somewhere yeah. else. And so I use the ministry mainly just to be an encouragement to people who are like me. And I'm trying my very best to start this foundation. Um, something that I discovered in some of the support groups that I was in was that these moms are like literally stressing and going crazy over like medical bills and mm. all these appointments they have to go to. And so I, I was in two support groups. One was Christian based, and one wasn't. And just, just literally feeling through their words the, the just despair and the insufferable feeling that these moms without hope, mm-hmm. you know, just the way they, they spoke and just you can feel like the anger and the bitterness and just the stress of it all. And it's just like, girl, yeah. you need Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and so just kind of using this as a way to not only support these moms financially, but to, you know, it being a bridge to... Sh- to lead them to Christ, to share the gospel, honestly. Yeah. And so it's not just about money. It's just not, it's not about, you know, showing off or anything like that, but it's here. You can have this check, but I also want you to, mm-hmm. let me tell you about Jesus, you know? Yes. And so it's, it's new, it's fresh. I'm still working on it, but it's my desire to, to help people, but also share Jesus with them too. I love it. And you can visit bold-resilience.com to explore different ways that they can give to Bold Resilience Foundation. Um, I love that because you've done something that I, I preach about all the time, you know, turning your pain into passion. And um, there's a reason why we, we walk the road that we do, and, but growth shows up when we've released the pain and turn it into passion and empathy to help others in the power of our story. It's it's a great reminder that we overcome by the blood of the lamb mm. and the word of our testimony, yes. right? Mm. Oh, so true. And that that Jesus walks with us in every single journey that we have. Hillary, you're definitely a woman who influences and a leader, and I I love that about you. How are you? A couple of questions we ask everybody at the end of our podcast, our our guest on the Women Who Lead podcast, but how are you making a positive impact on your tribe? So my tribe, one, I need to understand who my tribe is, and so I feel like right now it's just young women, young moms, Yeah. and the best thing I could do for them right now is just be available. You know, not try to be too deep, but just just show up and be there. And whatever that need is, if I can offer them something, the first thing I do is Holy Spirit help me, and then I just go for it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, that's great what you said. First of all, i got to understand who my tribe is and find that. But we all need a tribe. Mm -hmm. And where is God calling you to influence? Maybe there's someone um, listening to the podcast today, and they've— experienced loss, um, maybe through miscarriage, um, maybe through the death of a parent or a child, um, you know, however that may look, what would you say to them? A word of encouragement today. So Hillary likes to isolate. Okay. When just initially, I'll say that initially 
when when things happen like this, I just I, I clam up and I don't want anybody talking to me. I don't mm-hmm. want I don't want the encouraging words. I know what the scripture says. Mm-hmm. I know who God is, you know, and the Lord is just showing me through my mother-in-law specifically that while it's great to be used by the Lord to love on other people, it's just as important to be a recipient of love. Yes. And isolation is exactly where the enemy wants us to be. Any little hole, any little puncture, he can get through. And mm-hmm. if we're lonely when he when he meets us, we're, we're probably in our weakest state. And so just trying, and I'm, I'm literally preaching to myself, just <laughs> not pushing people away. Yeah. And I think I'm saying that because I need to keep myself accountable in that is just let people love me, let people help me. And if any of my sisters or friends are listening to this, they're probably rolling their eyes right now like, oh, wow, really, Hillary? But yes, just just, just allowing that tribe to be exactly that, a tribe, yeah. and to be a recipient of love. Yeah. Well, hopefully today this has been healing for you, too, to it, just yeah. be able to come and talk um, friend to friend mm-hmm. here, um, to love on you and to say, you know, that we're concerned and you're important and we're we're just praying for you in this journey that you've been on um so i mentioned the website bold-resilience.com for ways to give to the bold resilience foundation uh you're also on social media under just hillary c gares all right and it's h I-L-A-R-I. Yes. So you got a cool way you spell it, girl. I knew it. So it's um, H-I-L-A-R-I, Seagares, S-E-A-G-E-A-R-S. You can find her on social media. Follow Hillary. Um, she has an important message for those who have suffered. Hers has been through multiple miscarriages and also the death of her father, the Power of Weakness, your book, how can they get a copy of that? So, like I said, I'm officially done with this <laughs> part one. Okay. okay, let's just call it part you one. You got part two so, coming, hopefully. We shall see, Lord. <laughs> um, yeah, it's in the works. So you're holding that copy in your hand. They will be available by my birthday, which is January 9th. So Christmas okay. time, um, pre-orders will be open. And then okay. by the new year, they'll be ready to get sent out all right so if they follow you on social media you'll mm-hmm. be doing some launching yes. for that as well so go ahead follow hillary Seagares, h-i-l-a-r-i-s-e-a-g-e-a-r-s and find her on instagram and facebook you don't want to miss out on this young lady's powerful life of resilience in the power of weakness and my takeaway today Hillary, from you, I always try to do a takeaway as the host and just listening to your story was the question, what will I do when I don't get what I want? Will God still be faithful in my life? Will he remain good, loving, and grace-giving and caring to me? And for me, I, I hope that is a strong, resilient yes. Always, always, always. So thank you, my friend. We love you. Praying for you. You're amazing. Thanks for listening to the Women Who Lead podcast.